All right, Zig coming in on the top. Today on the show, we have Jim Coleman and Michael Weiner of the band The Children. Both Jim and Michael have an extensive history of projects that they've been a part of. For a brief glimpse into the catalog of what these two guys have done, Jim is a member of the band Cop Shoot Cop and has scored a plethora of Beth B. films. Michael is an actor, musician, composer, Michael is also a performance curator and has held a residency at Dixon Theater for the last 20 years. And that's just scratching the surface on what these guys have done. Um, the Children have a new album out. It's called A Sudden Craving. It's available March 8th on all streaming platforms. We're going to listen to a tune. This is Smothered Traces off the album A Sudden Craving, The Children.
Smothered Traces, the album A Sudden Craving, the band The Children, available March 8th on all streaming platforms. March 25th, you can get a vinyl edition if you're a vinyl person. Um, Also, before we get into our conversation, if you can like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, it helps me keep talking to cool guests and sharing their insights with you. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Michael and Jim. But man, you guys... You guys diving into you. You guys are everywhere. Like, like the the, the background with you guys is pretty dense. Um, oh yeah. As far as individual projects and everything you guys are involved in, which is really cool. So I kind of wanted to like start with just kind of getting some basis for where you two started working together. So uh, Jim or Michael, if you want to um, take that. Yeah, Michael. I don't know if you want to like uh, kick that off. So yeah. as how we started working together. Okay. Um, yeah, Jim and I have known each other for a very long time. Um, we uh, we met in the sort of 90s New York downtown scene, the East Village, Lower East Side scene. Uh, I was actually uh, writing about music and culture for various magazines and newspapers and blogs and stuff like that. And I actually wrote about Cop Shoot Cop. I think that's probably where Jim and I met. Jim Jim, Jim was also uh, dating somebody that I was, I'd actually come to New York around the same time with. Um, and, uh, you know, and, um, you know, it's funny, as we talk about these things, you kind of unearth these other little sort of textures and pieces of the fabric. Um, so somebody I was pretty close to, and they were dating at the time, and um, that that may actually that may that may have in fact have been Rebecca may have in fact introduced us, Jim, right? So, um, so we met in that context, and then we kind of had this slow burn of a of a friendship and eventual collaboration over many many years. Um, eventually, at perhaps my instigation, not sure, or maybe it was mutual, maybe it was balanced. I'm not sure how it came about, but we talked about making music together, and uh, you know, formed the the children and really kind of like. I guess the late aughts or so, mid to late aughts. Um, and then, you know, from there continued to kind of simmer for a long time, but we did have a, a period of a fair number of shows with these kind of like sort of intermittent things and, and, you know, cop shoot cop, whatever, whatever else was going, actually not, I, I don't, I forget where we were with everything. Cop shoot cop was probably not going on so much, but other things were happening. Uh, things were happening in my performing arts work, my acting work. Jim had his, Jim has his production work and his film film scoring and everything else that was going on. And over the years, we just built this thing. And um, you know, there have been periods of time where it's been pretty semi dormant, and other periods where it's been quite active. Uh, and came together for these sessions in the mid to late teens. And then, of course, we had the pandemic, and I had a return to graduate school and people were moving around and Jim was going to Savannah and I was in New York and Phil was eventually in Chicago. And, you know, we kind of had the, the miracle, as I like to say in these interviews of, of coming back together and, and, and really endeavoring. We, we had interest from Chandra Shukla, uh, you know, Narada talks and putting this record out and has been very supportive. It just took a minute to, uh, to c- come together. And now we're, uh, you know, now we're, now we're in the midst of this. So it's, it's really exciting. Jim, I, I don't know if, yeah, that's sort of my my intro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's 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 great. I don't know if I need to add anything to that. So, when you moved to New York, Michael, you were writing about the scene. Were you like actively partaking and kind of documenting for yourself? Like, what what kind of like? Because that's a that's a really interesting perspective to be taking. Is like not only like immersing yourself in a scene, but also kind of uh, uh, capturing it and sharing it and like supporting others via like writing about them being like, you should see this or don't, you know what I mean? Like, was it a zine? What were some of the outlets you were doing that with? So sorry, that was like oh, no, two I was questions. 
that's all right. So yeah, no, I listen, I was writing for major outlets, New York and national outlets. I was writing for, I mean, again, it wasn't all the time. I mean, so the ones that I was writing for all the time were things like, uh, you know, like things like, well, paper magazine was a New York kind of a Bible of the of downtown, which was kind of a significant voice then. And for many years afterwards about what, what kind of like, what's, what's hip, what's, 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 a, what's the pulse, you know, what's, what's, you know, what, what, you know, it is not, it's kind of like the idea of paper, I think is, has been, I'm not sure exactly what its presence is now, but it, it, it has been to kind of give people a glimpse behind this sort of, this kind of like, um, you know, uh, the city that everybody's curious about, you know, so it's sort of like the, the, uh, the mystique and the cachet of New York is captured of like what's really happening in New York was the idea of paper. So paper had an outsized influence despite besides being really being about downtown New York. But then I was writing for, you know, occasionally something like the Village Voice or Interview Magazine or, you know, the Washington City paper or the, you know, you know, so city magazines and city newspaper, you know, like weeklies, city, you know, like the alternative weeklies, which, of course, now are less of a presence. And then like some national publications as well. Um, you know, so that's what I was doing there. But, yeah, I, I think like the destiny for me was always that I was this person who was creative and had come here as a writer but i think that i was sort of drawn in by what was happening and at the time in the 90s in particular uh everybody really had a multi you know there, there was also there was the opportunity to be kind of as we say in new york or perhaps elsewhere but certainly in new york a multi-hyphenate a multifaceted, a multi-dimensional contributor to what's going on and you know people found me to be an interesting presence and i was creative and i and i i became captivated by what people were doing and then i became you know going on the other side of the camera or the other side of the stage or what, what whatever it was so it was always kind of a balance and even to this day i mean then i had ended up training as an actor and doing other things to kind of uh a really you know kind of delve into you know to really become serious about being a performer performing artist uh and so but to this day the narrative what's been, been interesting i guess uh um dave is that like um you know, uh, my I've deepened as a storyteller through this experience, and uh, you know, besides the uh, besides as a human being, but as a storyteller, you know, um, my craft has it's like these aspects of what I do, from writing to to performing to you know, being a singer, being a being a vocalist, being a frontman, being an actor, being you know, they all feed off of each other, and they deepen. Uh, the story that I'm that I'm telling and that I'm telling with you know with Jim and with Phil and 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 we're really um, you know yeah we're storytellers not to use a slightly cliched word but we're 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 kind of like you know unveiling our vision of 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 of, of existence and of what it is to be a, a human being or a man or so on in this moment in time uh, in the United States and as a global citizen, et cetera, et cetera, not to sound too highfalutin, but, um, you know, so we're just, we're just, we're trying to unlock the mysteries, I think. And we're trying to share that with an audience. Um, if that sort of kind of comes back to what you were, what we were talking about at the beginning, I'm not sure. Well, well, yeah, no, it definitely does. Because when you're taking other perspectives, right. I I like that deepening your story and your ability to tell story because when you're when you're behind the camera when you're in front of the camera when you like writing about the scene when you're in the scene you're taking all these different perspectives and that's what's going to make a, a story interesting is being able to understand it from multiple perspectives so that that makes a lot of sense. Um, so Jim, like when w did you grow up in New York? Did you move to New York? How was your your initial plant in the in the in the scene yeah so i grew up all over the northeast i moved every basically every like three years i think um born in baltimore i lived there for the first month of my life so i lived outside of dc uh in some areas i lived uh in uh new york state um in connecticut um but um in i was actually going to film school at suny purchase um and got a internship at the collective for living cinema which was kind of this experimental um, film venue um, down in Tribeca area. And so at that point, I moved down into New York. I was still in school, but I moved on into East Third Street, right? And a little storefront right across from Hell's Angels. Um, and uh, kind of immediately hit the club scene as far as I, I just anywhere I could get into for free and I could, you know, go out dancing for free for whatever. That, that's what I was, was doing at the time. Um, I was always making 
making and playing music through as a kid. I took like eight years of classical piano, took eight years of uh, French horn, um, and was taught by um, this uh, this guy named Fillmore Hall, Fillmore Hall, who taught Dizzy Gillespie to play. So when so we used to go see Dizzy uh, play, you know, in uh, around D.C. and then hang out with him afterwards. My dad was a big jazz head too. Never really my thing, but I got a lot of exposure to it, you know. Um, and um, I kind of always wanted to, you know, the whole like at a very early age, like the whole sex, drugs and rock and roll thing. I was like, you know, sign me up, you know, um, and uh, and took a while to get a band, you know, to get a band. I've been trying to get a band together for a while and Cop Shoot Cop had already uh, kind of been in its infancy. But that was exactly the kind of music I wanted to to be making. And I was fortunate enough to kind of um, join forces with them uh, kind of in, in their early days. Okay. Was Human Impact before or after then? No, Human Impact just uh, is current. We're actually just, um, we've just been, we just finished mixing um, our third release. The first album came out in um, March, March 13th, 2020. So basically right as COVID was descending upon us, you know? Um, and so we had uh, some tours lined up and all that. And, and we just, we've done some touring, um, but I feel like with this third release, hopefully we can actually, get some ground under our feet. Um, you know, it's the, it's myself and, and Chris Spencer from Unsane and we, we've known each other for, for a long, long time. We've wanted to make music, you know, together for a while. It's just taken us a while to get there. So the kind of unpinned, like being around Dizzy Gillespie, even though jazz wasn't your thing, like there's gotta be some of the, the genius that is like kind of shown through, um, did you find yourself that being the, I guess that experience, have you found yourself like reflecting or sharing those influences on what you do now somehow? I think it's all been uh, cumulative. Okay. Um, like even prior to that, when I was taking classical piano, I didn't really, like I was kind of forced to do that. I really didn't want to like be sitting at the piano, like learning classical pieces. I, I wanted to be sitting at the piano, kind of making up my own stuff, creating my own world. But having that foundational, those, you know, more more traditional training has, you know, fed into what I do now. Being exposed to um, the world of jazz, yeah, it, it, it all affects and informs and kind of fuels, you know, who I am and what I do. So, No, that's awesome. Well, I guess that kind of, that brings up an, an, um, one point with, I want to I hear both your perspectives on it, is like, improv and like how quintessential that is to to creation and kind of that that like freeing of oneself which i think only comes from like grinding your head against the 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 maneuvers on the classical like learning those like mechanics to eventually get to that point but it's also kind of like a, a headspace that's not easy to get into um so I'd, let's yeah uh, so, so, so essentially, I'll dive in and I'll, I'll pass it to, to 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 Michael. But I think, like, you know, it's weird. On, on some level, everything starts from improv, right? Everything starts from like, well, how does this relate to this other thing, and how do they work in in relation? And um, you know, making music that's highly orchestrated and highly defined kind of starts as an ideation going into uh, you know, the the real world in a way. Um, and in fact, I feel like through time, uh, I've learned how to make music in, in, in ways that work, right? Periodically, I've had to like uh, consciously step back from there and be like, how do I explore creativity and, and music um, in ways that I don't know, right? How do, I, how do I not just break the rules, but step into a different space, right? What we've done as the children has been um, uh, pretty, pretty uh, significant in that. We we um we really start our our foundation is really improv. Um, you know, a lot of times we're in a room together and we're just we're improving. Then we see like, oh, hey, there's a sticking point there, and let's build on that. Um, our shows, uh, although we integrate um, you know, some of our our songs in into there, um, we go into explorative uh, terrain um, that's improv based in that as well. So it's been it's really been fertile ground for us. So it's it comes from a moment, and then you guys really immerse yourself in that. So the importance of improv for the children is like, is everything. I'd say, <laughs> it's, 
is that what significant. I'm getting? Significant. I, I okay. mean, I'd, I'd say it's significant. It's foundational. Um, and with this, uh, with this uh, record of sudden craving, like I feel like that kind of got left in a place where, at, at times, I was like, "Well, I'd really like to revisit that and and, and take it to a different level of production." Um, I got through that arc and I, and got to the point where I'm like, "Hey, it's it's good in all its imperfections, right?" And so it's not really I'm not, maybe I'm not so much talking about improv, but I'm talking about like polishing, you know. Um, uh, so something can be obviously something can be like overproduced to death. Um, anyway, Michael, I'm going to, I don't know if you got anything to weigh in on that. Yeah, but no, Jim is, Jim is distilled it well. I, I think that, um, yeah, it's just funny when you, when you were just finishing that thought, Jim, I was just thinking about, uh, the create, you know, something, an idea of creative tension. So I think that if I may say so, Jim, that one of the, one of the, uh, sort of thrills of the project, which is, it's so interesting because, as I said, it's been gestating for such a long time. We've been in and out, doing you know sporadic, doing different things, but then coming back. And each time we kind of come back to it with, I would say, with more gravity and more sort of a certain level of of engagement and understanding. Um, but I, I think there's a creative tension to that too, Jim. And I wonder whether, like with the improvisation, uh, I, I know that there were times where we were, we were all sort of frustrated with the creative process in terms of being excited but not kind of things not manifesting in certain ways and not having the time or the energy or whatever it was. But then I think that was a moment right before these sessions, um, you know, you know, maybe it's like, I don't know, six years before the pandemic or something like that, like somewhere in the teens. I remember you say, like, we were trying to find time to do shows or having trouble doing that. And they're like, well, you know, let's explore this improvisationally more. And I think it unlocked something because I think there was a perfectionism. You know, I, I think, you know, Jim is, Jim is kind of a, a, a you know, a, a, a you know, a, a, call him, call him a sort of a, a Phil Spector of downtown in terms of his, you know, sort of like very intricate, you know, like, in other words, his production work is, can be very, you know, there's a lot, a lot of layers to it. Right. And then like, this was an opportunity to peel the Pandora's box and rip things open. If I, if I may say Jim and, and just sort of like, uh, let it loose and maybe be less concerned with certain as you say perfectionism and i think it brought layers in somebody one of the uh one of our other uh interlocutors uh dug up some the i guess cd baby had put the first album, children album online we weren't even aware of it there's very few views i think people should hear it because it's pretty interesting it's kind of like more pristine art pop or something but it's it's uh you know i feel like we've we've found a kind of earthiness and a grit and a and a and a, um, and, a and a nuance to this music uh, by being more improvisational, as he, as Jim says, both in our shows and in the studio and in our writing process, which, you know, again, it begins, as Jim uh, sagely said, uh, with uh, everything begins with improvisation. And then his question is, what, what uh, you know, Jim was using, you know, this idea of the foundational aspects of the music. What, 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 what do you bring to it to then add to then where are you going to, how are you going to refine that improvisation? You know, I had some classical music, musical experience as, a, as, a, as a, you know, when I was younger, I revisited the piano a little bit during the pandemic, or, you know, online and doing some lessons online. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm trained as an actor. I'm trained as a, you know, my, my music has kind of come in the trenches, especially with Phil and Jim, you know. And so uh, how do you how do you how do you refine that? And, and at what point do you let go, as Jim says, in the studio and, and you say, hey, this is I, I like where this is. We don't need to tie all the loose ends. So. Uh, to me, it's this arc between improvisation and 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 uh, refinement from that improvisation that kind of lends, and you know, even through the layers of the live shows and what they give us there, as Jim said, you know, we go in and out of improv and song. So this is what adds layers to the music. Uh, if that sort of brings home what 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 you were talking about, Jim. Um, well, no, I think that caps it really nicely because, like, it starts from this improv, it grows to this point, it gets to a platform, uh, uh, like a plateau then it's kind of re-examined and then it sounds like that's the direction in which where it goes to finish so it kind of like it's kind of like the improv is like the like uh stepping away and just kind of like letting whatever happen with it and then being like there it is or when you can't find a direction like kind of getting lost to find your way is what i'm hearing yeah. and i think that's mm-hmm. like that's super impactful to like be able to let go like as someone who writes songs as well, like in like works with the production on stuff like that, you really get kind of caught in that tunnel vision of like, I need it to be this thing, but it's just not there yet. Um, so I guess like 
for using other skill sets like acting, do you find that it's easier to let go of that type of thing or like or or kind of like composing for someone else's vision? Like Jim, because I know you've been doing like composition work for uh, um, films. It's like so. Do do these other outlets kind of like aid in your own songwriting in that sense of like kind of resetting the plateau and like seeing where it's at and just letting it grow from where it's what what you see in front of you. This sounds like a question for me in terms of being an in terms of being an actor and such. Is that is that right? Well, yeah. yeah. Um, I think. I think I lost, or at least at least to start with me, and then yeah, I I I I think I lost the thread at the end. Though, what what exactly were you asking, Dave? At the so, end, so sorry. Um, so basically, what I'm saying is, you the improv is kind of like it starts the idea and then refines the idea, but in of which is letting go of like this kind of tunnel vision of getting the thing right. Does like acting and other skill sets like that aid in that, and like, do or, or is it just completely unrelated? I would bring that back to what I was talking about at the beginning about being uh, being a multi multi sort of multi dimensional uh, performing artist and 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 there and 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 storyteller. Um, I think I think I think they aid. They, I think they I think they feed off of each other, and they uh, and they kind of unlock each other. Uh, and um, you know, uh, uh, you know, a lot of actors actually have a lot of trouble with improvisation. Not all. You know, when you when you see comedians and their kind of looseness on 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 in a, in a film and so on and so forth, they, 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 you know, there, there is an element of improv and comedy that there isn't in acting in some ways. But for me, improvisation has always been part of my art art making process. I think we refer to it in our bio too. You may have seen that. Um, and yeah, I mean, um, you know, I think it's this idea of the creative process and being not feeling. You know, I've always been someone who does believe in revision but who also believes in trying not to judge too much at the outset. You know, in other words, open that, as we said, as I use that metaphor of Pandora's box before, open the box, let it, let it ripple, let, let, let it reverberate, see where it goes. You know, you can always, you can always, you can always pull the lines in a little tighter as, as you, you know, pull the skein of the story, this, the, you know, the, the thread of the story in a little more tightly as you go along and you can sort of tease out, the the sort of filaments or the, the whatever the the elements that you're that you're that you want to highlight you know and so so yeah you you, you start with a very open sit mindset with each other with with Jim me and Phil and the you know in the rehearsal and the in the exploration and the jam and the jam and then you kind of uh, you come back you look at it again now you're now you're you know tinkering with the lyrics so it fits you're you know you're I, I'm I'm a you know I'm a writer I'm a somebody who, who, who language is very important too. So it's like, you're adjusting these little words and suddenly you find these, I think you might've been a both alluding to this, but you find these unexpected wrinkles that are, wow, wait, wh how did this come into this, into the, into the narrative? You know, like, like suddenly, like you see that you, there was something there that you just didn't need to, you didn't need it to be under a microscope. It was just going to emerge. So, so maybe to your point, um, I, I don't know if Jim has something to add to that. Yeah, I think that there's two, like in the kind of framework we're talking about, I was like kind of uh, looking at two challenges that come up, right? And it's rigidity and fear, right? Um, you know, like I can't be too invested in like what I think something should be, right? I can enter the, the, the you know, the process with that. Um, but, you know, if something's maybe not working, right? It's like, okay, I got to stay flexible and like, okay, maybe I should put that aside. Maybe there's something there that's like, you know, great. And, and I'm just not allowing myself to see it. Right. And, and the fear thing is like, I've got to be like, okay, you know, uh, trying stuff and failing, making a fool out of myself sometimes, you know, um, and, um, you know, I just can't be, so I, I don't know, I can't be too invested in presumptions, you know? Um, so I think like, you know, the antithesis to that is like op open-mindedness and courage slash love, right. If I approach things like that, um, you know, it, the world opens up. It's interesting because, like, with this album, you know, kind of coming from that, it really flows together very nicely. So even though we're kind of been talking about improv, where these ideas come from, and like how the how the refining, how they kind of step away in, because there is a fear of letting go. Like, yeah, I, I and like I, I at least I find that I find there is a fear in letting go, and like I find that to kind of just let it be what it is, especially when you're like this 
part of it, it, it's your expression. It's part of who you are. It's part of the story you're trying to tell. It's part, you know what I mean? Like, so there's this like value of this is part of me. It has to be this thing. So like, I think that was really what you said. Uh, uh, very wise words. Um, I think though with that, right. It's like, um, like through, through time, I think partly with aging and a bunch of other things in life, I've gotten, I think early in my life, I might've had more ego attachment to my creativity and, and, uh, it comes up, but, it, but it comes up here and there, but, it, but it's diminished a lot. Mm -hmm. Right. So I feel like less and less, it's more like it's less and less. It's, it's something that I'm doing and more and more, it's something that I'm, uh, participating in, which is kind of a, like, it's a gift rather than like, just kind of like I'm carving this out. Does that make sense? No, that totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. Um, so I guess kind of the out and the sidestep to the album itself, it's very well done and it's a beautiful mix of how everything kind of flows together. And like, I feel like there's an arching narrative that I can't quite grasp. Like, <laughs> and like the, your reaction is what I thought. <laughs> like, um, but uh, like a couple, I guess, I guess a couple first, uh, the first tune and I did, this has to be very, precise the lowercase g in the word god um, oh is it yeah i guess it is yeah <laughs> <laughs> or um, not or it's a flub <laughs> well i mean the type yeah i mean it's it, i mean tellingly though i mean there's no the lowercase i don't think we lowercase it in the title of the song did we oh, that, did. that actually okay so you know that's funny because that might have been that 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 yeah, Jim and Phil. Jim and Phil might have done that behind my back. They might have said, "Let's we're lowercasing this." <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that I consciously would have necessarily. I, I think I would have just gone with 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 caps in the song titles. It's different. It's different in the body of the song. I can appreciate that. Um, I mean, listen, we all we have we. I think we have. You may know if I might just jump in here. You you may you may or may not know that I I'm kind of the. Um, I'm kind of a precipitating force for the film, uh, the documentary Hail Satan. And so that feels like an appropriate time to bring that up. <laughs> I, I, I played a, we were making a mockumentary about, about a, about a sort of a, a, a satanic cult that kind of like uh, is really about kind of like healing humanity and bringing up, you know, kind of like making people think about their hypocrisy and so on. And it became a kind of a movement. And so I was really, I've been hired, I've been brought on, really hired as an actor to kind of perform this part. And then it became a movement doing a lot of interesting, as you may know, a lot of interesting sort of public actions and so on. And years later, I heard that this documentary documentarian who, you know, is, you know, she's done a lot of stuff and she's, uh, she's out there making movies, had made a movie about the thing and it had premiered at Sundance and it became this whole thing and became a mag, you know, Magnolia Pictures released it and it became a whole thing. So, um, but my take on spirituality, being married to a, a woman who's Jesuit, who you actually saw briefly in the background here, um, um, and and you know, is it might be slightly different than say Jim's or Phil's, might be different from either of us. I, I don't really know, you know. So for me, you know, I've I've been I, and I went to Hebrew school as a kid and things like that. I don't really, I don't, I, I I'm kind of a spiritualist though, and in that sense, I think Jim and I are pretty pretty. There's a lot of kinship there. You know, I'm not I'm not a big organized religion guy, but I am in a marriage that does have a, a, an element of organized religion in it. And I'm totally fine with that. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I guess this is a way of bringing up the idea of heterodoxy and uh, uh, the idea that I think even with I think the children are also about not being necessarily super partisan or super any one thing or super ideologically you know, uniform. But in fact, being humble and being open to dialogue and being the idea that we all have something to offer and. I don't really hang out, you know, I don't really hang out with one kind of person, you know, or, or need, need everybody to adhere to my ideology. I'd, I'd rather see an open-ended thing. I know I'm kind of extending this metaphor a little bit, but, but suffice to say that for me, God could be, I don't know what God is. God could be lots of things. So for me, uh, the children are meant to kind of rip the envelope open. I know you were asking about the themes. We call it a sudden craving. We're talking about like following your impulses and unlocking the primal and, and, and just kind of, you know, um, tearing open that envelope, as I said, um, you know, so, um, um, I think that's what it's about. If we're going to, you know, I think, I think the album's about, obviously, if you look through it lyrically and you hear the sonics, it's, it's about a lot of things, but I do think what we're trying to do is get people closer to, uh, their authentic self. Uh, again, sounds a little 
you know, a little, little, little goofy, but like trying to get, you know, trying to get tap into the tap into the core and the darkness and the light there and, and not be afraid of what emerges. We talked about emergence earlier in this conversation. So I'm sure Jim has something to add to that, but uh, that's my, first, that's my stab. I don't know if I have anything to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that the, even kind of relating to the, the title of the band, the children, you know what I mean? It's kind of getting to that, that, that essence of when you're a kid, all this stuff is like, a pe- there's nothing behind it really aside from what you like either that natural like i'm into this thing or you know what i mean most most kids kind of have like a, a pure view on on things when it's not like contaminated with other kids insights or 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 societal like trying to sell stuff to kids but when you're like young and just really into a thing or really inspired by a thing or just doing a thing for no reason you have no you know so it maybe in a way it's it's the the title the theory a uh, th- uh, theme <laughs> like to revert back to that. Yeah, I yeah, think totally. like it, it, it relates also to what we were talking about in terms of like you know um, not being in in uh, fear and rigidity. You know, it's like yeah, as, as children, man, it's like you know at, at least in an idealized state, like we, we're able to like kind of be present. We're playful. We take risks. We get hurt. We you know, uh, we, we kind of are in the process of finding out who we are, what's this world around us, you know, and, and, uh, um, that kind of gets squashed as we, uh, as we get older. Um, and then hopefully it can reopen. Right. Um, but I think like that, that is definitely apropos and, and one of the principles of, uh, of what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, and, and I always hype on the harp on this and I think I might drive a publicist a little crazy, but the children ellipsis, the children dot, 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 leaving room for what are the children? And to what Jim, to Jim's point, uh, I think that we are, in fact, about helping people rediscover that. I, I would, I would like to think, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, pretty grand ambition. But I would like to think that this is about, you know, like tapping into, like I said, when I say tapping into your primal, I'm talking about childhood, right? I'm talking about like that time before we judge our behavior, before society, you know, uh, we have to, you know, we take all these inputs and we we start to reflect a little bit, you know, maybe too much on how we're supposed to be rather than trusting our impulses and trusting that we can all, you know, all get along and all coexist and all, and all, and all add to the, add to each other's experience of what this, this mysterious uh, life is. And, 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 and I think we're, we're, yeah, we're really trying to dig into that a lot and you can hear it in the sound and you can hear it in the lyrics and, and everything, you know? So. I definitely agree. Listening through, cause I, I like to listen to the project before reading anything I get sent about the projects, you know, and like, I was like, this is everywhere. Nice. This is everywhere. And like, kind of like, and trying to like, I, but it's everywhere, but I can tell it's going somewhere and there's common themes and like, and then, then diving into who you guys are and like what you guys do, like in a way, like it's like all these like other things that you guys do along with this project sounds like it kind of immerses in that, in that creative freedom that like, I, I think that's the only way we like, as people get to get to savor that kind of youth that child that childlike impulse and like inspiration is diving into all those things and like if it's like uh, working multiple projects or like with like acting and like i'm sure like that that same like kind of like in a a purity has to like i i gotta imagine like all these different outlets help feed that as well for you individuals yeah for sure it it um it keeps life from becoming monochromatic. You know, sometimes when I'm in the middle of a, of a particular project, um, things can get kind of monochromatic, you know, and, uh, um, and sometimes I think that, well, I don't want to draw like generality. Sometimes I think that's, you know, a lot of people's life experience. If you're just doing like one job and, and, you know, um, we're, we're fortunate enough to have this kind of, uh, variety and this kind of like, you know, multicolored palette in our lives. I definitely agree with that. Like it definitely made things like a 2020 much more, much more uh, easier to have like 90 things you're trying to get done. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah. And be like, I actually got time to do it. I just can't go to do do it. That's right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I guess, uh, I guess some specific questions I had about about some of the tunes with I noticed with the first few um there was a kind of a similar vocal melody and 
that brought, I guess in my mind, and maybe we've already answered this, like, was it, was it kind of like referring to itself or were these songs written at different times? And like, that's why they're kind of like laced together in that order on the album. Like for the first, like, I would say the first, like two to three tracks, I think, um, it had a, a motif that was similar. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm gonna. I would have to really piece through these, like, like just sit, sit here and listen because when you, when you ostensibly, when we're talking about these songs, if you, if we're going to talk about bereaved, woven, and embrace, to me, those are actually pretty eclectic sonically, you know. So, and and even, I mean, of course, the the lyric, lyrically and, and thematically, there's going to be some, you know, we want there to be some cohesion. So, right. I mean. Uh, these were written at well, actually, they were written at a similar time. Um, um, so th- those particular tracks. So um, you know, there might have been certain things per- percolating through the subconscious there, and and um, that's not surprising, and that's good. We want some continuity. We also want some eclecticism. So my first response would be that those, to me, feel like do feel like different so- different kinds of songs. I'm sure Jim has uh, something to add, um, um, but uh, they were written at a similar time, so there's going to be some. Um, you know, we, yeah, I'm going to be, there are going to be some themes that I'm exploring as a lyricist, certainly. Um, okay. No, yeah, I think I, what you brought up is sorry. probably not intentional. Um, I mean, the, the sequence of the, uh, sequencing of the album obviously is intentional. Um, but I don't think from like its start point, uh, there was references like in one song to like what was happening in another. Okay. That's, that's kind of what I was good. Cause like they are, I'm not trying to say that they don't sound sonically. They're all over the place. Like every track is like a whole nother thing i'm not trying to like i just noticed like mo- vocally there was kind of like a similar like phrase and like that i was trying to see if it was pieced together in that sense but jim mm. you got that okay that makes sense that makes sense especially if they're coming from i guess a similar session maybe that's what you that they you'd be harping on like working something out um another in this uh, jim you probably can answer this it, every time i listen through it i'm like what is the on silly willy or what was it why silly? Um, at the very end, there's this like, <laughs> and there's this there's very different, this, <laughs> very different, very different. But why silly? Yes. <laughs> there's this yeah. like at the very end of it, there's this like piercing cricket sounding thing, and like I don't know what it is, and it's just, I'm like, what is that sound? Yeah. yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know, Jim, it's like that. It's like that. It's like that. It's like that sacral. It's, it's a sort of sacral vows, kind of like there's, there's sort of like a, a there's a religious litur- liturgical kind of moment. Ah, you know, like they're, they're, yeah, they're, you feel like you're overhearing like people praying or something. It sort of has that kind of feel to it, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, you know, yeah, I know Jim is gonna. This is gonna. You know the sound. It's just I'm, uh, hold on. I'm pulling it up and just taking a quick listen. It's that I, I want to. Like, it's like a, it's like a, it's like you're in a, you're in a church and it's descending into bedlam or something like. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like, is it kind of a, is it kind of like a, a it's a musical phrase though, is that right? You're talking about. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Uh huh. So, so that's actually um, some layers of French horn that I played, going uh, that that were played that way, but then went through this electrics repeater, which is this really like old hardware looper. Um, that you could slow things down to like, I mean, it, it wasn't in this case, but you could slow things down literally to like one BPM, you know, it's just that your artifacts are crazy. But, but so that was slowed down in some sense there. And I think, I think that this whole song was actually built around that, that sound. So. Oh, okay. That's crazy. That's so cool. And, and it goes back to that classical pain back. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> that's right. Totally. The roots are coming back here. That's, uh, that's okay. So like, I guess Jim, with a little bit of your process, how much of like, like uh, of a track, even if it's for like, uh, if you're sound, if you're doing a soundtrack for a film or if it's for the children or for any, any project, how much of it comes from like, I guess, uh, improvising with like tech like that mm. um it varies it really varies depending on the project um the children have has a lot more well organic or uh, acoustic instrumentation um than a lot of other stuff that i do um which is which is great i, lo- I love exploring that realm but but I, I somehow can't stop myself from just like 
recording an instrument, right? I always am like looking at like processing it and taking it through distortions and reverbs or slowing it down or doing something, you know? So I always kind of have some hands on, on that recording process. Okay. So it's the, it's the endless kind of like extension of the scratch for like, that's cool, man. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, oftentimes I don't even really consider myself a musician. It's more like a manipulator of sound, you know? Which is a music. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. That's it is, awesome. Yeah. It's it is. Awesome. And it, it makes the music, it adds a lot to the music, you know, that, 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 uh, like we're talking about it. We just keep teasing the layers, you know, we keep, we keep kind of reconfiguring and what else is art, but sort of reimagining all the time and seeing what we're seeing, what, what, what's uncovered, you know? Yeah. I guess, I guess when it comes to like the children working on a track, like, when he, after the initial improv and like the initial kind of like group melding, um, when you send it out, Jim, I'm got I'm gonna kind of guess that it gets boiled down to you, and you add some more to it, and then send it to everyone else. That is that how it's going, or is it like in studio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Typically, yeah, no. Typically, it's like uh, we are, you know, collecting kind of you know, assets and seeing how things work together. But inevitably, especially with our process, there's some, um, you know, post session kind of decisions, editing, you know, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that that goes on for sure. Okay. And like, as far as that process goes, like, is it when you send it out, like, are you finding like, uh, dialing, having the dial back with some of the experimentation stuff like that? Or like, because I'm I'm thinking in my head like when I bring something to my group, they'll be like, "Well, it's pretty cool, you know. It's kind of crazy. We'll try it." And then like, <laughs> and then eventually, yeah, that's actually a good idea. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> like, no, I, I, and I have I have that with other with other stuff as well. Um, um, somehow with what we do, it's Michael. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like it's pretty well received i mean it's not like i know there's some some back and forth sometimes and some you know some of that but um but there's a level of trust and acceptance i feel like uh in this process that's i mean every project they do has trust and, and acceptance for sure um but i don't feel like there's that much back and forth with what we're doing yeah i mean you know i mean i think that's right i think that's right i mean there, there might be a certain level of respect or, or sort of, you know, the, the, everybody has a, everybody has a maybe in some ways unspoken roles. So it's like there might be a certain level of respect to to to, to Jim's, as I said earlier, work as a producer, um, you know. And um, I'm, you know, I mean, and I, I'm learning, I'm I'm learning about music. You know, I'm learning about art making and music making every time I have a every time we you know work on something. I learned a lot about music from these two, and uh, even from this conversation. So for me, I come in with humility, and I come in with knowing that I'm a part of a puzzle. That, that these these that sort of the whole is much greater than the sum of its parts with the three of us in particular, include and along with our collaborators we bring in. So, um, you know, so um, yeah, I mean, I think the, I think the thing is, is what Jim is doing is pretty authentic to what we we find from that first improvisation that we were all talking about earlier. You know, and then we come back to these tracks and Jim and I, you know, if we were like in this sort of up in this sort of you know you know back in the back in the recent you know, back in the day, or I don't want to say back in the day, it wasn't that long ago, but back in the attic with his house in New Jersey or things, situations like that, where we kind of have this intimate space to kind of work through things together. So it feels like Jim is translating what we, what we built, what we, what we kind of unlocked, you know, mm -hmm. and we kind of trust that process. And then we just keep coming back to it. Jim, Jim may ask, you know, may, may ask for my feedback or whatever, but we just kind of keep kind of refining it together in a way. And when we might come back to the studio and do another session, layer a vocal or whatever what have you you know um we'll see we'll see how we do next time we we do that we haven't done that in a long time but like this is you know relatively you know this is, this material has been around for a minute you know but um but uh but yeah it's a, it's a real you know and it, it, it doesn't hurt that we all aesthetically you know we have a lot of instincts that are really synergetic and they're really sort of kind of cross-pollinate with each other and and just uh feed off of each other and feel and we have in this sort of incubatory space this this you know like we're in this kind of petri dish of, of 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 creation and we just kind of discover together you know what i'm saying and so we have you know our tastes in music and art and so on there's a lot of overlap we each have our own you know uh, we don't we, we some of our own interests but like definitely there's a lot of overlap and harmony there and and we just it just it's just been a really unique space to 
to be so as Jim using the word trust as a, as a, as you know feels right because it's just uh just you know uh it's a it's a space to I hate to say safe space it sounds a little you know cliche but like it's it's a space to just explore together you know what I mean so that's that's a gift how often do you get that in life you know where you really have this sort of simpatico with with a couple of other uh, artists and in, in creating songs and in creating work you know I definitely I definitely agree with that sentiment like like I think that having a space like that and having people it's very it's a very precious thing and like the more you dive into like a career in creative in in, in uh, endeavors like maybe like that gets distanced because you you're working with a bunch of other people especially you two who are, are doing a lot with for a lot of other people so I think that's super cool and super important to have that kind of home home ground and be able to grow within it and I think that comes through on the record like listening through it it's like it, it there's a freeness to it but it like it there's also a conciseness to it and like so I think it's like the it's the best of both worlds in that sense. So I think and after talking with you guys and kind of getting to dive into your process and kind of like your personalities a little bit, it definitely I, I seconds on what I'm saying. Like I definitely feel that now in retrospective as well as in the process of listening to it to get ready to talk with you guys. So I think mission accomplished in that sense. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um one one question that uh, the kind of um, one, I really appreciate your guys' time, and thank you for doing this. It's been a, a pleasure to dive into your careers, into like all the facets. Um, I have a I have a couple questions I want to ask about before uh, departing here. One with Jim working with Beth B. Now I dove I dove into some of her films with uh, uh, I talked with Lydia Lunch and like and she they've done a lot together, and then her work's become a whole thing. So can you tell me a little about what it's like to work with Beth B. On like no yeah yeah so we we've got a long history of working together and uh um we're we're actually like uh married we're together in life as uh you know oh, no like, way. So, so we've been, yeah, we've been <laughs> for like uh over 20 we got married in 1995 so we've been together a long time we 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 met each other uh well actually a, a common friend richard kern introduced us and i've been um projectionist at the Whitney Museum. So I've been showing her her films there and she knew knew Cop Shoe Cop. He introduced us at CBGB's. And she uh she got in touch with me because she was looking for uh music for an installation she was doing. And and uh yeah we quickly fell in love um and uh you know have been um working together and, and partners in life ever since that. So we've done a lot of stuff installations, live shows, uh films. Um and um um, we're actually now gearing up to do um, uh, something in in Berlin over the summer that involves uh, installations, some installations of uh, these kind of near death experiences. Um, the, the, she's been working on a series of short films called uh, called Glowing um, that are kind of, in a way, character studies of um, of people's trauma and how they overcome that, and sometimes don't. Um, so I've been doing all the music for, for those and doing a lot of shooting, uh, for the video as well. So th all that's getting, uh, you know, be an exhibition and, um, uh, some of those glowing stories we're doing as live events, um, with, with some of the people involved. Um, so that'll be live kind of theater with a lot of projection. Um, so anyway, we, we continue to kind of evolve and explore and uh have a very kind of interesting interesting uh life together that works on a lot of different levels so do you find that like <laughs> that uh that that sense for trying to find that that child purity that the children do is a is a kind of a, a arching uh, uh um uh overarching trait in your guys's relationship creatively so it's it's interesting. I think so. I think that sense of exploration um, and expansion is is has been there and it is still there. Um, as part of our journey in life, we uh, we have a daughter who's now just turned twenty one, and that was a whole you know journey un, unto itself. But I think for me and probably for both of us, that's kind of like reawakened um, some of that childlike or. Ch childish in a positive sense um you know kind of spirit um and um 
you know, in, in a way that's kind of like, I mean, it's cliche, right? But that's like kind of the, 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 the greatest creative act, right? It's like, I feel like, I feel like if we, if we hadn't stepped into parenting, we would have been so work centered. So like creative work centered, you know, which can be great. Right. But, but it's in a little box and, and uh, it can be. Um, and, and for us, for me, that kind of just opened up um, life in this, in this very expansive way. Now she's 21, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm kind of back in a very fertile creative time period. Um, but it's also like, I'm not that serious about, I don't know. I'm not that serious about like, Oh, what has to happen in, in life in my creative life? You know, it's, it's, it's back to that, like kind of, uh, getting away from ego and more about like participating in the gifts. Wise words. That's a that's incredible. No, it's incredible. It's incredible because some pe- some artists like when they're going through that. I have a friend who kind of went through who who at first when they were having a kid they were terrified. You know, what I mean, they're I like, was, oh, I, yeah. I understand. Like so, like <laughs> I think I think like that solid advice to for someone going through that to really hear because like that's a scary time, especially when when you're a creative person who's doing things that aren't like kind of normally cut. To know that there there's like this kind of regeneration, this re this re like energizing of it that comes through yeah. that, and like it kind of brings back that to do you want to live the work or work to live thing, you know, like mm. that we're always balancing, especially when you're creative and your whole work is everything you do. You never really stop. You don't take a day off. It follows you. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's um okay. So the last question I have for, for Michael, and like like I was saying, thank you guys again so much for doing this. And to kind of piggyback off, I guess, what some of the, the films Beth B. was working on with Trauma, there was uh, – uh, let me pull up the actual thing. I'm sorry. Um, Michael, you were working with uh, – there was an article you put out on Trauma, uh, cultural – where's my notes here? Oh. Um, no, I think you're – Cultural memory. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. What's your question? So, okay. So, it, interesting, like, kind of like a neural perspective, right? Um, like, into this as well as someone who's been in the creative field. So, like, I guess kind of diving into those studies, are those something you're seeing kind of firsthand in a way that's inspiring you to dive deeper into, into like, or is that something yeah. that's like, that's interesting and, in di- you know, what I mean, like, well, you're, you're referring to the opportunity I had to uh, return to school during the pandemic. I did an interdisciplinary uh, program at Dartmouth College uh, in which I um, investigated uh, topics like medical humanities and diaspora and so on through, personal exper- through, through my personal history. And I wrote research papers and I wrote, I wrote creative projects, which included a research paper that you sort of referred to directly, which dealt with my father's experience as a child Holocaust survivor and how that reverberated through our family dynamic and affected, you know, sort of impacted our relationship. Um, I also wrote a paper that sort of drew a bit from my own, uh, from, from, from my, from sort of the, let's call it the multifactorial nature of disease. Um, I talked about growing up with a mother who was a manic depressive and how that impacted me and sort of how our lives kind of threaded, you sort of were entwined and then kind of diverged. And I talk about the idea of, you know, we, we coming out of the pandemic, um, uh, you know, there was a discussion about the sort of this kind of insidious, invisible pandemic, the mental health pandemic, which I think is real. And I think it's repercussive. And I think we see um, the after effects of the pandemic. I think people are still emerging from that. I think we have different levels of you know, sort of anxiety and depression and just kind of reactive People are. I feel. I feel that people are, are. Are still processing this period, which has included a pandemic. It's included a controversial, shall we say, a provocative presidency. It's included lots of different things. Of course, you could frame that from different angles depending on your ideology. But as we said here before, we're we're, we're open here to ideology and dialogue. So it's sort of like I think I, I try to look at it as a collective experience, and that we're all kind of trying to piece what it means to be alive together in this present moment. And I'm pretty optimistic about it in a certain way. But I think it's about really kind of turn t- looking in the mirror and looking in the mirror when you talk to people too, and not trying to understand where other people are coming from. So yeah, the, the final piece I did was a, a, a play, which I'd be happy to share with you about a, co- a kind of a cohort of New Yorkers confronting life and health in the wake of the pandemic. 
And um, it's just about being the invisible. I think it's about the invisible threads that connect us all and um, how a lot of this gets taken for granted. There's a, there's a child, there's a Nazi ex Nazi functionary and a child Holocaust survivor who are having, who, who come together for meals during the play. And there's a, there's these kind of surrogate parental figures. There's a therapist, there's a, you know, there's a general practitioner who are, are kind of dealing with their patients, you know, like, you know, like the practitioner might end up talking about somebody's mental health, and then the and then the and then the uh, therapist might be talking about you know why they were feeling sick that day. You know, so it's sort of like it's just interesting that my idea is that like you know this kind of mind and body connection and how it impacts our our experiences, you know, as human beings and and our our, our interactions with each other. You know, and um, uh, so yeah, that's the kind of work I was digging into there. Um, you know, and um, yeah. I guess that kind of sums it up, but I, but this is the, the, the opportunity to have that graduate school experience, uh, you know, a little bit later in life was a real privilege. And it was, it was a way I, I call it my sort of reinvigorated, you know, my, my, my pandemic reinvigoration project, but an opportunity to kind of like stir up my, you know, kind of like really have a time to, to in, invest in some research and writing and investigate some issues that I think were uh, hovering at the edges of my, um, myself myself and 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 um kind of achieve some catharsis and letting go i know we've talked about all these kind of metaphors during this conversation and so uh it allowed me to kind of like cast kind of like process some things cast them aside a little bit and i noticed that in in terms of my creative projects in the program they became less and less attached to the play itself is really not there's not that much i mean there's a lot of me in it but it's not drawing from life events so much. And I think it's because I processed some of them in the research and creative projects. I also wrote a novella and I wrote a screenplay and different things there at Dartmouth. And so it gave me an opportunity to kind of like process this stuff and now come to art in a, in a, in a kind of a little bit more, um, yeah, having having kind of channeled it more. And now I can kind of, I think, come at things in a, in a bit more, with a bit less, as Jim says, letting with a little more letting go of the ego and a little more ability to be, uh, just be present and see what happens. And not like get not have a whole lot of baggage attached. And I think it also helps when people you know, do this work. I've done a lot of therapy over the years, continue to do so. Um, it's our responsibility to ourselves to kind of uh, be in, in touch with ourselves and be a better human being. And being able to, you know, Jim and I, you know, we I, I know that in our this group we're, we're we're guys who who aren't afraid to confront our vulnerability. And I think it like you know I think it allows us to kind of go into the darker and, and both the dark and light places with more freedom. And 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 really interact with each other in an authentic way. So I think that's kind of what the children, dare I say, are, are, are about. The albums, you know, these these things ripple through the the work and through the album and through our work with each other. You know, well, that's that. I think that's incredible, and I would love to read it. I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's read or if there's a video of it, uh, of the play. But one, I guess, I guess one one side question on that. Um, so you wrote a screenplay and and play and like. Is have you? Is there a certain impact with playwright that is different than like screenwriting or any other type of writing? Well, you're imagine. Yeah, I mean, you're imagining what it's going to look like on stage, and the stage stage requires a bit more imagination because, in other words, you're not capturing sets. You know, you're not you're not capturing locations, right? You're capturing a, a world that, to some degree, is imaginary. So you're you're man you're kind of like manufacturing reality or something. And is that a Beth Thee movie? I can't remember where that. But then it's sort of a metaphor. The idea of manu- manufacturing of reality, you know, and it sort of feel. I think it is a documentary. There's a documentary. Yeah, I feel like it is. Um, um, and you're, it's kind of a simulacrum, right? And so you're, it allows you to have a little more imagination. This, uh, you, you know, I'm happy to. We can we, you can get my content. However you want to, you know, get access to it. There is actually a video of the stage reading at Dartmouth. There's only been one reading so far. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, so uh, there's elements of, of, of cinematic and of liter- it's literary. It's kind of an unusual play and that it has a lot of I really want as it being a, it being a thesis project. I wanted to bring in a lot of elements of who I am as a writer and as a as a as an artist and as a thinker. So it, it it's not really it, it is a play for sure. But it also has elements of it's visualized that these very elaborate sets and there's these, you know, they're they're very descriptive. The, the stage directions and so it becomes a little bit of not it comes a little bit novelistic in a certain way and a little cinematic so it's got a lot a lot to it but i think at the core of your question uh that 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 the stage is a place to unleash the to 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 kind of suspend your disbelief a little bit and to come into it with 
an op- to, to, to be able to visualize and to l- allow it to kind of provoke you to visualize certain things in your head. You know, I definitely agree with that. Uh, my girlfriend studies playwright, so we, we, there's plays all the time and I'm, that's, I wanted to dive into that, that a little bit more for you. And I appreciate, I appreciate the insight and guys, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. It's been awesome to dive into your careers and to this new record. Um, is there anything the children has that we haven't talked about that you would like to plug before we kind of wrap it up here? Um, the, I mean, the album is coming out, I think, March 1st. It's digitally available and um, uh, it'll be out on vinyl. You can pre-order the vinyl at that point, too. It's like I think that's available somewhere around March 25th, I believe. Um, so, yeah, that's information. Cool. Any shows or any yeah. live performances we're, we're talking about that nothing nothing on the paper yet so yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's it's just it's just stating we expect there'll be there'll be more you know <laughs> we expect there'll be more news on where we're going and, and, and what we're doing and and other even other releases in fact so so we'll but we'll we'll leave that we'll leave it a little mysterious but we're definitely like we're gonna see what's next once once the re- once we you know once people respond and we, we get a little 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 conversation happening around the record and see see where where we want to take that you know so, well yeah. yeah thank you guys again so much this has been awesome I really appreciate it thank thank you and um I w- Yo, Spike Spiegel here. You just listened to Zig of the Gig podcast. Keep riding the bebop. See you, Space Cowboy. Bang.